You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today we are in week two of a series called Why We Exist. And really the big idea of this series is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you exist to live on mission, that if you said yes to Jesus, if you've received his grace, that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you exist. It's why you exist. You exist to live on mission. It doesn't matter your personality type. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter uh, just, just what your wiring is. That it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, you exist to live on mission. And the Bible tells about this all the time. In fact, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus himself, he says, therefore, here's what I want you to do, go and make disciples of all the nations. By the way, that means every person on planet earth. That's every person with a pulse. He says, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. That word disciple, another word would be like an apprentice a follower, that I want you to go and make disciples of every person, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. And I love this last part. He gives us a mission and then he says, but I'm gonna be with you always. You don't have to do it by yourself. I've got your back even to the ends of the age. Now this in my Bible is known as the Great Commission. In other words, this is the mission that Jesus himself gives us. And that's why it's so important because he's saying, Jesus is saying, guys, this is why you exist. That before you know Jesus, you need to know that everything is about you knowing Jesus. But then after you know Jesus, everything is about helping as many people as possible know Jesus. And, and, and this, this verse right here, the Great Commission, is actually where we articulate our mission as a church. Because here's what I've learned. I don't have the juice to outrank that. And so our mission as a church is literally our way of communicating the Great Commission. And it's this, we exist to reach all people and to teach them to have a relationship with God, not religion, not a list of do's and don'ts, not a compartmentalized hour of our week on Sundays. No, but to teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. And by the way, in Grow Track today, in step one, I'll break down why we do everything we do and even break down our mission more than I have time for today. But that's why we exist. When we started our church almost four years ago, that's why we existed and that's why we exist today. It's we exist to reach all people and to teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. And in this series, I'm unapologetically calling us all back to our mission that if we've drifted at all in any way over the past couple years saying, no, now is the time to get back on mission, to say, this is why we exist. And I'm saying it's time. I'm calling our church back to our mission because the world desperately needs you to live on mission. Let me be more specific. Your world 
needs you to live on mission. Like the places that God has placed you, like your job and your neighborhood and your circle of friends and the places that you go, like your world desperately needs you to live your life on mission, to to live why you exist. And last week, we answered a very important question that I think is really the first thing that we have to answer, and that is, why is it so important? Like, why is it important for you and I to live on mission? And it really is the foundational message of this series. So if you missed that, I encourage you to go back, listen to it, or watch it. But for the next two weeks, I wanna teach you how to do it. I want you to see practically how easy and how fun it is to live your life on mission. And so today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, I wanna answer this question. Like, what do I do? Next week, we're gonna talk about what do I say? But this week, I wanna talk about what do I do? Like, how do I live my life every single day in a way to where I am on mission? Like, how do I do that? And it's so important that we figure this out Because how we live our lives is so important to other people saying yes to Jesus. In fact, this week, I I heard about a study that said if people don't know God and they meet a Christian who is actually like Jesus, who has the qualities of Jesus, who authentically lives their life like Jesus, that 88% of those people will receive Jesus because of that Christian. But the study said that the exact opposite is true. That it said that if people who don't know God, if they meet a Christian, but that Christian, like their life doesn't look anything like Jesus. They say that they're one thing, but they act like something different. Like they don't have the qualities of Jesus. Their, their life doesn't authentically look like they, they live like Jesus. Like about the same exact number in the 80% of those people will not receive Jesus because of that Christian. In other words, and here's what we have to get today, don't miss this, we are the number one factor of someone receiving Jesus. We are, not the message, not the Bible, not the beliefs or the theology, it's us. It's like the the greatest influence that we have on people is not what we say, It's how we live our lives. Let me say it this way. That one lived sermon is worth a thousand spoken sermons, which is really depressing to me and what I do. (laughs) But I get it. It's so true. It is so true because people will reject what we preach until they see how we live. And out of, out of 100 men, D.L. Moody put it this way, out of 100 men, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian. That's why it is so, I'm telling you, how we live our lives, how we live, what we do, it matters so much. And here's the big idea of today. If you don't get anything, get this. Here's my message in one sentence. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God everywhere I go, that they'll want to know God 
because they know me. And so the question today is how do we do that? How do we live our lives each and every day? And I wanna give you four ways that you can live your life every single day on mission. And let me just go ahead and just tell you this. This applies to every relationship that you have. This applies to everything. I'm telling you, this is how we should live our lives at our jobs. This is how we should live our lives in our families, in our marriages, in our friendships. This is how we should especially live our lives for people that are far from God. So four things, here's number one, genuinely love God. Now I know that that sounds so basic, so elementary. And you expect somebody like me to say something like that. Hey, you know what you need to do? You need to genuinely love God. And I know, that, I know how that sounds, but it's so important for you to live the life that God has for you, for you to live on mission is to genuinely love God. In fact, let me put it this way. I think it's the best thing you can do for every area of your life. Like every single friendship and relationship you have, the best thing that you could do is to be close to God, to genuinely love God. I think it's the best thing you can do for your school this semester. I think it's the best thing you can do for your job and your business is to genuinely love God. And in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus, he gets asked this question in verse 36, where somebody comes up to him and says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So in the Bible, Jesus, what is most important? Because it's full of commandments. So what is most important? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And then he says, a second, I can't leave this out. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself, the entire law and the and all the demands of the prophet. So the entire Bible are based on these two commandments. So Jesus gets asked, like, what, what is the most important thing in this whole book? And he says, love God. You're like, got it. Then he says, and, by the way, I, I gotta add. I know you asked for one, but I gotta give you two. He says, love God, and you gotta love people. Now, for you and I to fully understand this, and feel like the weight and the magnitude of these verses, we can't look at it through the lens of our English language because we only have one word for love. So that means we use the same thing for everything. So in the same way that we love our our spouse and that we love our best friend in the whole wide world and, and, and we love God, We also say like, but we love Avengers Endgame. And we love waffle fries from Chick-fil-A. I mean, we use the same exact word for all those things. But the original language that the Bible was written in, in Greek, it actually has four different words for the word love. And it's important for us to understand this. So they're gonna put those four words for love on the screen because there's, the first one is this word called eros, and that is a romantic love. That is a love 
that is a, a, a love between a husband and a wife and a spouse. It is, a, it is, it is between, you know, girlfriend and boyfriend. It is the love that, 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 that you guys have. Okay, Brad and Emma, they got married eight days ago. Eight days ago, they got married. Come on, we can clap and do that. So there's some arrows going on, okay? So we have arrows love. And then there's another love called storge. And storge is a family love. It is like the very natural bond and love between like parents and children, between brothers and sisters. It can even be like really close friends that kind of go past friendship. And they're like, have you ever had somebody that's like just family to you? That's not necessarily like blood family, but man, they, they've gotten so close. They're like my family. It can even be pets. How many of you got dogs? Anybody love your dog? Anybody love, love your dog? Yeah, it can even be like, yeah, it could be like your, your pet. It's storge love because they're, they're, they're my family. And then there's this other word called phileo. And phileo, that means a friendship type of love. And it's, it's the friendship that you have a lot of times with the person that's sitting next to you. It's like, man, those, that's my person. That's my, that's, my, that's my guy. That's my friend. And so that's, that's phileo love. But then there's one other one. And it's this word called agape. And agape, it's a unconditional love. It is a love that has no strings attached to it. Let me put it this way. It's a love that, that has nothing to do with the other person's response or behavior. Like it's, it's a love that, that, get this, it's the love that God has for you and me. It's this love that is unconditional no strings attached, no matter what happens, it will not change. That's agape. Now, this very familiar passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 22, which Greek word for love do you think Jesus uses? Well, let's see. In Matthew chapter 22, let's read it again. This time I'll add the, I'll add the Greek. Jesus replied, okay, what's the most important thing? And here's what Jesus says, you must love, agape, unconditionally, no strings attached. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important, and here's the hard one. Love, agape, your neighbor. Like unconditionally love other people as yourself. Here's what we have to understand. And I hope this hits you fresh today. Like Jesus is not saying that we should just simply love God and love people. He's saying that we should love God and love people the exact same way that God loves you. Like unconditionally, with no strings attached, no matter what they do, no matter how they treat you, no matter whether they reciprocate that love or not, whether they're nice or whether they're mean whether you know them or whether you don't. Like you should agape God and you should agape people. And Jesus says both are equally important. Like you can't separate those two. They go hand in hand. But I believe that the order is very important and very intentional because I've learned that God is a God of order. That's just how God rolls, order matters. And so to me, the order is very intentional. Love God and then love people. And here's why I think it has to be in that order because I can't believe, I, like, like I believe that you can't do the second one without the first one. 
that you can't unconditionally love all people the way that God loves you unless you first love God. Because you and I, we don't have the ability or the capacity to love people the way that God loves us. Yeah, I may be able to love a few, maybe, a couple people, maybe my kids, maybe. But all people, every person on planet Earth, every person in our city, all the people that, that aren't like me, like I'm supposed to love all people that way. See, for us to love like that, the truth is we gotta have an outside source. And what's so encouraging to me is that in 1 John 4, 8 and 1 John 4, 16, it says that God is love, that he is that agape that he asks us to do in Matthew chapter 22, that God is love. See, listen, God, like love is not what God does. Love is not what God has. Love is who God is. He he doesn't do love, he is love. And you won't be able to unconditionally love all people with no strings attached, the way that God loves us disconnected from God. Like the only way that we can do that is to get that kind of love from God because he is that love. And we gotta go straight to the source to be able to do what he says is the most important thing. So I'm telling you, You wanna live your life every single day on mission and to be able to do that, it starts with genuinely loving God because it affects how we genuinely love people. Second thing that we have to do is to really care about people. Like really care. Like if you wanna live your life every single day on mission, you gotta really care about people. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus in the Bible, you'll see that Jesus obviously cared about people, but the Bible uses this very specific word almost every time that it highlights this characteristic of Jesus. And it's this word, compassion. It talks about him constantly having compassion on people. Let me show you a few examples. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. See if you can see the pattern. It says, when Jesus landed... And he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and then he healed their sick. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat, so they were hungry. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, it says, Jesus had compassion on them, people who were blind. And it says that he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. So three verses, all with that same word, that same phrase that Jesus felt compassion. Now, when you see that in the original language, that phrase, he felt compassion, it literally means to be moved by compassion. That it's not just a feeling. It's not just I felt compassion. It's, it's not just a feeling, it's a feeling that leads to an action. And notice the pattern, it happened in all three verses. He sees lost, broken, hurting, 
people that were in need. He saw people hungry. He saw people that were blind. He saw people that, 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 that were sick. And he sees people that are in need. Then he has compassion. He really cares. And then him caring actually leads him to do something about it. Now, here's where we got to lean in in this message, get on the edge of our seat and realize this, that if you are a follower of Jesus, that is the Jesus that you follow. That is the Jesus you follow. And here's what that means in our everyday life. Because the truth is, there are people in our lives, in our circles, that are lost, that are broken, that are hurting. In the city that we call home, like people that we work with, people that we go to school with, people that we interact with every single day, like there are real kids that are going to bed hungry in our city tonight. Like there are real people whose lives and families are being destroyed right now by addiction. Like there are real people that are far from God that we interact with every day, that we're driving on the highway beside, that don't know Jesus, that will not experience heaven. And this is one of those moments where we have to look ourselves in the spiritual mirror and ask ourselves this very important question, do I care? Like, do I care? When I see the stats and when I see the hurting, when I know that there's people in my circles, at my job, at my school, like, do I care? But even more than that, it's more than just caring. Do I care like Jesus? Do I care to where I am moved to action, where I'm being moved by compassion? Like, like in other words, do you care enough to do something about it? Because here's a truth and here's a principle that is absolutely a fact. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you may have all the answers, but people are not listening unless they know that you care. And because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So we gotta genuinely love God and really care about people. And then number three, just intentionally meet practical needs. If you wanna make a massive difference, just intentionally meet practical needs. Do this at your home, do this at your job, do this in your city, your school campus, just intentionally meet practical needs. That before I share my faith, I'm gonna practically meet people's needs, which then earns me the right to share my faith. Now, every single person on planet Earth has a couple different types of needs. First, every single person has physical needs. Like we, like we all have physical needs. Like we, like we need food and water, housing, transportation, clothes, safety, coffee. Come on, somebody, that's it, like we need. We have these physical needs. And let me just help you. If somebody doesn't have these needs met, don't share Jesus with them first. Like if they're hungry, don't try to give them Jesus because they won't hear you over their growling stomachs. Like give them food, then give them Jesus. Like don't sit them down and talk to them about the bread of life. Like give people bread. 
William Booth put it this way, that you cannot warm the hearts of people with God's love if they have an empty stomach and cold feet. And so I'm telling you, look around and see, are there physical needs that are around me? Second thing is that you'll see that everybody has affection needs. Like every single person, including you and I, we have emotional needs. We have relational needs. And that we all need to feel loved. We all need to be appreciated and valued. We all need to be praised. We all need to be encouraged and believed in. Like we all need to be seen. Every person on planet earth has something inside of them that God put on the inside of them to like be seen. And I need to be needed and I need to be known. These are affection needs. And so I encourage you to look around and to, and to make sure that you're being so intentional with those type of needs as well. Like slow down. Like look people in the eyes. Like really notice people. Like don't be so busy in life that you don't notice people. Like I, I always say that hurry is the enemy of love. That when we're in such a hurry and we're so busy that we don't even notice the people that are around us that God has put there. And so slow down, look people in the eyes. Here's another one, just smile a lot. Like smile, I don't know if you know this, smiles are free. They cost you nothing. So like give them smiles, like smile, have some joy, let people see the joy that you have. And give them the big ones. Like give them the ones that show all your teeth, like show them your pearly whites, like just show it, give them the big smile. Don't give them the little small smiles, give big ones. How about this, just give a lot of hugs. Give hugs. Man, I believe people need hugs right now. I think over the past couple years, there's a hug deficiency that's in our souls. Like people need more hugs. Like make sure that you know them somewhat before you just go hugging people. But like, I'm telling you, man, people need hugs. There's there's something in our soul that's like, ah, thank you. Like be nice. Have some good manners. I'm calling our church back to some good manners. Come on, let's be people with good manners. Let's hold some doors open for some people. Let's take it old school and say, yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. You know, let's, let's do some things like some please and thank yous. Like, let's, let's have some manners. Let me, let me share this one. You want to meet some affection needs? Like, be so generous with your encouragement. One of my favorite quotes is that encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. And I'm telling you, you can do that. You can look people in the eyes and encourage the fire out of them. And you could see like so much, like this is what my dream is, is that when people are around people who call our church home, that when they're around us out in the city, that it feels like a breath of fresh air because of how encouraging we are. I'm telling you, you can be encouraging and with that, and so today, one thing that we've done is we've brought back something that we, we used to have every week in our lobby, and now, now we got them back. And it's these acts of kindness cards. And it's these random acts of kindness. And uh, I wanna encourage you to grab a big stack of these on your way out. It's right by the door. Like you will actively have to not pick this up on your way out. But I'm asking you to, to get one of these, like at least one, and grab a handful of them if you want to, and then look for ways to meet physical and, uh, and affection needs this week. If you need any ideas, 
You, we actually have those on our website at queencitypeople.com slash kindness. If you're like, I don't know what to do, go there. We have a bunch of ideas that you could do. And when you do, lay down one of these cards. Give people these cards so that they know why you did it. Because it says, here's a small gift to brighten your day, no strings attached. And I think it's a way of saying you're seen, you're valued, you're known, you're encouraged. Like God loves you and so do I. And let's be a church whose spiritual radars are always on looking for opportunities to meet those practical needs. And here's why. Here's the big idea behind this one is that meeting practical needs will open spiritual doors. That's why it is so important for us to do it. Go ahead and come up. I know this is super awkward when you're doing this and you're on the stage. And by the way, we, 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 we did not plan this, but we are both wearing the floral pattern today. And so I uh, love you, man. That's good. How many of you love David? Any amazing, any a good man? That's awesome. Okay, lay it down, make me sound spiritual. Okay, um, now here's the last one. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Last one, number four. It's really important. Purposefully seek to understand their world. That if you want to reach people, if you want to live your life on mission, I cannot encourage you enough to purposefully seek to understand their world. And here's what I know. A lot of Christians only ask people that are far from God to enter into and to understand their world. But I'm saying, let's be people. Let's be a church who intentionally enters into and seeks to understand their world, their life, their perspective. Let me tell you a great question to always be asking. Ask this as many times as you can. What's it like to be you? What's it like to spend a day in your shoes? It's called practicing empathy. What's it like to be you? I'm telling you, our world would be a better place if we consistently did that. And like, what I'm asking you to do is don't just tell people how wrong that their world is. There's enough of that in the world. There's enough of that on social media, right? Amen? Don't tell people how wrong their world is. Some of you are like, yeah, but it's true. Here's my response. Yeah, but it's ineffective. And I'm not, I'm not asking you to agree with it. I'm asking you to seek to understand it. I'm asking you to live these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23 in the message paraphrase where Paul says, he describes it this way. He says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious and the non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized. And I love this last word that he puts in, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. And I've become just about every sort of servant there is in attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message 
because of the gospel of Jesus. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And the truth is, church, nobody was better at this than Jesus, who was always seeking to understand. He was always asking questions. In fact, in the first four books of the New Testament, they're known as the gospels. They're the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. Get this, Jesus asked 307 questions. He asked 307 questions in four books of the Bible. And in that time, he was asked 183 questions in which he only directly answered eight. Here's what that means. That means that he asked twice as many questions as he got asked. And that for every question he answered, he asked 40. This is Jesus that we're talking about, people. This is not somebody who just had truth. This is somebody who he says in the book of John, I am truth. And Jesus asked 40 times more questions than he answered. He asked twice as many as he got asked. Think about that. That's the Jesus that we follow. And my question today is, what would our city look like? What would our church look like if that's what we did? Now, here's what blows my mind about Jesus. Not only did the Son of God so obviously live his life in a way where it was obvious that he was trying to understand what it's like to be us. He asked a whole lot of questions. But in the ultimate act of love, Jesus left the comfort of heaven to enter into our world and became like us. And this week, Hebrews, I read this in the book of Hebrews, and it tells us why he did that. Like, why was it so important for him to come, leave heaven to come to earth? And it says this in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter two. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that could take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Now, here's the big difference between us and Jesus. See, we enter people's worlds to understand them. And Jesus, he enters our world 
to save us. Let me make this more personal. He enters your world to save you. Not just the person who's lost and far from God, not just the person on the other side of the room like you. And a lot of times I think we miss that because we don't understand why. Like, why would he do what we just read? And it's simply because he loves you. And what I'm asking you today is to not just become so numb to that. Don't let the repetition of hearing that God loves you like bounce off your heart. Like the reason why he did everything that we just talked about is because he loves you so much. Loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he would do that. And he wants so bad to have a relationship with you. In fact, in Revelation chapter three, verse 20, he says, look, I'm standing at the door. Like I stand at the door and I'm knocking. That if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in. But let me make this abundantly clear, church. The truth is, is that he has all the power and all the authority to knock your door down. But he chooses to knock. Because Jesus is a gentleman. And he will never force a relationship on you. See, love is not love without the choice. And I believe right now for some of you, he is right now, he is knocking on the door of your heart. And maybe he has for a while, but today it feels like he is knocking hard. And we wanna give you the opportunity right now to open up that door and to let him in. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And before we end, I want you to just simply just pray this prayer and ask God, God, what are you saying to me today? Not what are you saying to somebody else, but I believe that God had you here, right here, right now, so that he could speak something specific to you. And so ask him over the past 35 minutes, like, what have you been saying to me? What are you saying to me? Maybe ask him this, like, what does my response need to be to this message? What is a tangible next step that I need to take today? And maybe it has something to do with people that are in your life, or maybe it's those acts of kindness. You need to just grab a handful and say, this week, no matter my comfort zone, I'm gonna look to be able to meet a need this week. But maybe you're here and you know, as soon as you saw that scripture, it says he is knocking on the door of your heart. You know that that's you and he is knocking. Maybe you feel so far from God and If that's you, I believe that right now he is knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to come in, but he will not do it unless you let him. And I'm telling you, you are one decision away from everything changing. And maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never made the decision to give him your life, to let him in, to open the door of your heart and let him in. Maybe you have in the past. But today you you feel like you are a hundred miles away from God and today you just need a fresh start. And we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. With every eye closed, I'm simply gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you're here and you know that he's knocking and you just wanna let him in,
whether that's for the first time or it's all over again, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to raise your hand as a sign of faith before God saying, I need you, God. And you're saying, I, I let you in my life. Whether that's for the first time or it's all over again, if that's you and you know that's your response today, on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up in the air and say, include me in that prayer, Pastor Brian. One, two, three. If that's you, put it up, put it up, put it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, anybody else? Yes, 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 amazing. Yes, 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 proud of you, proud of you. You can put your hand down. Just pray something like this in your heart. And it's not about the words, it's about like meaning it with everything that you have. Just say, Jesus, I need you, I need you. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. And I invite you right now into my life. And will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I give you my life. Tell them that. Just say, I give you my life. I surrender my whole life to you. And right now I receive everything that Jesus paid for. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive a fresh start. And today I choose to follow you for all of my life. I thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for not just seeking to understand me, but thank you for becoming like me and doing what I could never do. And we thank you for Jesus. And it's through the mighty, powerful, amazing name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said a loud amen. Church, I want you to clap your hands. Come on and celebrate. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.